we're going to spend the next uh, 30 minutes talking about some of the big, big issues of the mayoral race. A lot of people just starting to tune in now. Who am I going to vote for? I mean, the polls will tell you that Olivia Chow's won this thing. I don't buy polls. I buy uh, what happens at the voting booth. But nonetheless, we'll go through some of this uh, with Mr. Joe Mahavik, former Toronto City Councilor, who is in person. So that's always a bonus. As well as Saeed Selvin, Managing uh, Director of the New West Public Affairs, also a member of the Global News Election Panel and a former City Council candidate. Good to have both of you. Good to be on your show, Alex. There you go. Good morning. Thanks for having me. All righty. Let, uh, let me dig into something that, um, and I'm going to ask Joe this just because you have, well, I guess you both run, you both run uh, campaigns. Um, so you know how expensive they are. You know how much work they are. Edward Gong, he, he's like, uh, no one knows who he is. He has got signs on every inch of Toronto. He has put a massive billboard in Toronto's Dundas Square. He's got ads running all over television and radio. Joe, would, like, you know that if you don't have money behind you, you can't get that stuff. I don't well, know, like, does this raise questions for you? Uh, well, no, I understand that he's self-financing, so the maximum that a candidate can spend, independent of the cost to do fundraising, is $1.7 million. And it looks like, and <laughs> looks it like is he's reported, that yeah, he's, he's, gonna, he's spending it, his own money to do it. He's got a plan. He wants to, his name out there. I've never heard of him. I've never met him, but I sure know him now and I sure okay. see his signs everywhere. So we'll see if that strategy uh, works. And I'd be very interested to see if he, if he even meets poll, minimum polling uh, in any of the upcoming polls. But yeah, it's certainly a long shot. He's trying to make a point. Yeah, but he seems very well uh, organized, Saeed. I mean, would it dawn on you to put your face up in Dundas Square? I thought that's not cheap advertising. No, it isn't. <laughs> you know, this this candidate definitely knows something about grill marketing. That's for <laughs> sure. I mean, he is getting out there. He's getting buzz on social media. And he's also creating some polarization within the city. You know, some people are actually angry for the amount of signs that he's putting mm-hmm. out. Some are angry for the visual pollution that is out there. So, you know, all in all, he's he's getting his name across. I mean, people will definitely know the name now. But, I mean, is he a serious contender for mayor? Of course not. I, I definitely don't think so. Um, but uh, a very interesting tactic, for sure. Yeah, no question. I'd be uh, certainly finding out who's on that team because they're uh, organized. All right, let's dig into something. I want to ask, you know, about the effectiveness of the um, candidates. You know, we've got 101 or two. Um, we're only really kind of zeroing in on, on six or seven. And, of course, the, uh, as we get into the last couple of weeks um, of this campaign, it's, it's anybody but Olivia Chow. I mean, she has been designated, I guess, the winner. I'm not sure how. But um, let's talk a little bit about the, the campaigns that could uh, potentially tip the scales. And this was a, a bit of a campaign. You know, here's what Brad Bradford is, is using as his pitch. On June 26, Toronto will decide who is going to lead this city. Do they want Olivia Chow to impose a 20% property tax increase that most of us cannot afford? Or do they agree with me that less talk and more action, we can do so much more together as a city? All right, not the most exciting message, but it is me or Olivia Chow, uh, Joe. Um, you know, Olivia Chow has not had to flush out any details. I have no idea what her tax rate is. I don't really know other than kind of nice words what it is she is going to do to make this such a caring city. And yet that seems to be fine with her base. Uh, do you think that's going to hold till election night? Well, certainly the polls are indicating that uh, it's it's holding. Uh, she has been climbing, not descending, except for maybe one or two points in the last week. So it does seem that her base has actually expanded from uh, something like 25% to something like 35%. Uh, 
And so it, it looks like it looks like uh, she's got it. And given the splits uh, with the other candidates, uh, and given that uh, none of the other candidates uh, seem to be willing to withdraw or say I'm backing another candidate, um, I think that uh, Olivia's campaign must be thinking that they're sitting uh, pretty well right now. Yeah, I mean, it's most important, though, Saeed, uh, the vote has to get out. It's not enough to say, well, I like her, I'm going to vote for her. If you don't actually go and vote, it matters nothing. Um, and she will, I think, do well in, in downtown Toronto, uh, but the city's big, and I think the assumption would be that no one else is going to vote. And so how do you see this playing out? That's why, Alex, I think that this is definitely a two-horse race. I think that you know, Olivia represents the left. I think that Mark Saunders, who's consistently polling in second, represents the right. Now, the issue, of course, then becomes the potential for vote splits. Uh, yeah. But he is somebody who I would say poses the biggest alternative to Olivia. And that Bradford clip that you played, you know, Bradford's now trying to put an actual number on the tax hike um, or the proposed property taxes uh, where Olivia hasn't necessarily committed to a number. I think that, you know, it's a it's a play for the right to kind of push and get out there and basically say, hey, it's going to be 20 percent. And there's a lot of fear mongering that could be effective in the suburbs. Um, but, you know, is it going to be enough to topple her? She's now been consistently pulling ahead. And to your point, Alex, I really do also take polls with a grain of salt because it's all about the get out the vote game. But, um, you know, with be consistently polling this much mm. is, uh, is definitely indicative of, of her support thus far. Yeah, albeit I'll say that some, I mean, this is not a real data-driven poll. I mean, these are push polls for the most part. Having said that, it does have a big impact, um, Joe. I mean, the, the narrative is created, and I think that's when you get a front-runner like Olivia Chow. It's like, you know, she doesn't have to do media. I mean, she won't go on shows. She won't sit down one-on-one -on -one because she doesn't want to be challenged to put anything, you know, clear, clear down. If I were on the left, I'd be looking at, let's say, a Josh Matlow or even Mitzi Hunter, who have laid it all out. You know, it might, I might not agree with them, but at least they've put a, a plan out that shows me numbers of what they're going to do. Well, well, she's running a classic front-runner's campaign, and she, we are two weeks, less than two weeks out from the campaign. What does that tell uh, you, though? From Election Day. Well, it, it tells you that she's in the lead, and it tells you that her campaign is now focused well, the on... the media's not doing its job. That was that's well, what it tells me is like uh, it's not okay just follow the candidate around with a microphone and go what do you want to say now Olivia like what like they ha I have to push her for answers or if she's not giving answers don't cover her events. Well, I, I don't think they can do that. I think they sure are going to cover they are, they are going to cover her wherever she Ask goes Anthony. because she is she is their front runner. Mm. Uh, I think the alternative of uh, Mark Saunders is uh, yes he is in second place right now he's polling at something like 14, 15 percent. Uh, the problem with uh, Mark Saunders is that, uh, aside from some of his political views, is that he has a competitor on well, the some right. Some people will like his. <laughs> some people will like his views. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, of course. Fifteen percent, fourteen, fifteen percent, maybe more, probably more, because he, we also have Anthony Fury on the on the right. So mm -hmm. they're splitting that vote. The center is also split, and the left is uh, is more or less, or the progressive side of city of uh, the city is uh, is. Pretty unified around Olivia. Maybe Josh Matlow is taking some of that vote. Or Anna Bailao. Uh, Anna Bailao is, is uh, she's seen as a centrist and she's pitching herself as a centrist. So uh, th that's the liberal community. And uh, I think that's why it's almost the perfect storm for Olivia and why right now she doesn't need to engage in heavy duty conversations. She's actually thinking or her campaign th team is thinking of how do we identify our vote? How do we get them to the polls? And what do we do on day one if it isn't Olivia, uh, Olivia Chow mayoralty? 640 Toronto, we are chatting with uh, Joe Mahavik.
former city councilor, and Saeed Seldman, a managing director of New West Public Affairs, also a former council candidate and who will be with Global News on their election night panel. And let's talk about Anthony Fury. Uh, he is, according to the polls, third place. And he got to third place despite being excluded from every single debate except for the one on CP24, uh, which I think is tomorrow night. Um, he has been denied things like the editorial at the Star, even though he's fully on offer. Um, and yet without this exposure, he has been able to kind of, uh, you know, make his way up and starting to gain momentum. Whether he's got enough r- runway is a different matter, but he does have momentum, Saeed. Um, and so a lot of people are saying, like, ha- if we're basing these debates on polling, he's been polling in third or fourth place for the last couple of weeks, and yet he's been shut out of everything. Yeah, I, I think one of the challenges with Fury is that he's starting to peak a little late. And also, when it comes to the organizers of these debates, they have such a difficult job in this particular election because there are over 100 candidates on the ballot. So oftentimes they have to make very difficult decisions as to who gets included and who doesn't. But in the Fury case, if he continues polling like this, he's going to be very, very hard to ignore. I don't think the the calls for... Um, him to be, uh, or, or the fact that he was excluded in previous debates as being undemocratic. I don't think that those hold weight just given um, the polling at the time. But again, you know, polling is to be taken with a grain of salt. But once it's consistent, that's when you start paying attention. And I think that he is a very charismatic candidate. I think that he is uh, truly an outsider candidate who is providing a bit of an alternative. Is going to be enough of an alternative? Is he going to have the get out the vote support mm-hmm. or the machine behind him? We don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, Joe, when you look at a candidate and, and to the right, it's Mark Sanders and Anthony Fury and, and Brad Bradford, but Brad has slipped uh, quite a bit. Um, Fury's message has been much, much clearer. He has been kind of just clear and consistent. And that's why I think he's been able to uh, start garnering uh, attraction. And I think ultimately there will be a choice. People are going to go to the voters booth, just like they will with Olivia and say, well, who do I vote for on the left? But you're going for Saunders, who won't stop things like safe supply. It'll just kind of be business as usual. Or do you go with an outsider who actually might shake things up and change things? Well, that's a question that the, the folks who are more conservative or right-wing uh, will, will need to answer. And they have, frankly, they have three choices. They have Brad Bradford, uh, Mark Saunders, or Anthony Fury. Uh, in terms of the when to include him in the debate... Uh, it is a difficult, as Saeed uh, is saying, difficult decision. I don't really think it is. Because we, you know, I, well, I, only because I work in the business where when crap happens, you pivot on a second. Like, I, I mean, if, 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 if something happened right now and I had to go to breaking news, I would just, you wouldn't be in the studio. I'd be like, thanks, Joe, got to pivot. That's what you do in the real world. And, and, and they are. Mm, CP24 has well, them tomorrow. Now, now. But now there were a couple of other debates. Because he rose on the polls. So do you use the polls as a basis? Well, that's do what you they use? are. I don't know what they should be using. I mean, I, frankly, I just... You know, should they have included Chloe Brown earlier? I think so, yeah. Chloe right. Brown came in third in the last election. There's good That's reason right. to have yeah. included her. Should they include Anthony Peruzzo, who's an existing So maybe they pull from counselor. a hat. Like, maybe that's the fair that you get the top 10 candidates. Because I honestly, to get the kind of attention you need in a campaign like this, they're not federal or provincial. You don't have big machinery, let's say, behind them, although some campaigns do. Like, Saeed, if you don't get part of the narrative um, early on, it's very, very difficult to then play catch-up. It is, but I'll say to be fair, it's not necessarily the platforms or the debates that help a candidate win sure. the campaign. Oftentimes about the ground game and about yeah. the get out vote support. So yes, the media definitely helps. But you know, I think CP24 did something interesting where they did one-on-ones with particular candidates. Mm. 
there are many opportunities to get out there, but it's also about the fact that, hey, I mean, if, if you're organizing a debate and you're trying to get voices effectively represented across the spectrum, you also have time constraints. You also have um, the the importance of appearing organized and appearing democratic. So I think that there are just way too many candidates in this election mm-hmm. to to be seen as making the right decision every single time. Yeah. And there's such a short runway as well. This is not a campaign. If you if you just think of the one that we had last year, uh, we knew at Christmas time to. at Christmas time, uh, well, who the candidates were and people were positioning themselves and so on. Uh, so they had a long runway, and media could have made different kinds of decisions based on who I don't know, though. I, 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 it was such a de- – I mean, look, we were just coming out of the pandemic. There's an exhaustion. There is so much going on. I mean, people just weren't paying attention. The, the motivation – don't forget, we had to go to this election federally that was supposed to be the life and, den, you know, life and death election uh, that wasn't. And so, I mean, and people were just pulled in 20 different directions, and I think it's just because of that it didn't get a lot of focus. Now we're in a different time, and, and it's a very consequential election. You know what number I'm, I'd really like to see is how many people voted in the advance polls, because yeah. that's often an sure. indicator of mm-hmm. how, how much interest there is. I haven't seen any data on, on, on that, but that will be an indication of what election day is going, Albeit, going, to, uh, going to look they like all had as well. Notley win- no, again, Alberta had Notley winning in a landslide, and guess what? No, they didn't. The guy that's polling now? Yeah, they did. They had, Notley was winning that election, come hell or high water, and oh. that's what they Depends were saying. Depends which polls you were reading. Well, exactly. uh, the, poll, the polls I was reading uh, did not have Notley, Notley winning, and the polls that I'm reading now have uh, Olivia Chow winning well, by double yeah. the next candidate. Yeah, in, in Calgary and also specifically in Alberta, the, from what I was reading as well, it was quite close. But I'd say in this particular election, with Olivia polling so far ahead of the second-place candidate, that will be very, I, I think it'll determine the election unless something drastically changes within the next little while. I mean, some of these candidates, if they truly want to be Olivia, would have to throw their support behind the second place candidate. Yeah, I do think that those meetings probably would be happening. and that would... No, they're not happening. Well, 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 I don't know if they're happening. Are you at their houses? Uh, well, I'm Joe, not what at, are you I'm, doing at night? I'm not at their houses, <laughs> but of course, the, well, the buzz on the street is, is that everyone is committed to their campaign. If you're this deep into it and you're two weeks out, what is the wisdom of, of saying to your supporters who will basically go in a few different directions of saying, hey, I'm out because I'm candidate, I'm candidate A and I'm going to support candidate B or C? There's, at this point, uh, there, there's no buzz on the street that anyone is going to leave their campaign to support another campaign, to block a third, a third campaign. They are really positioning themselves for different things afterwards. Um, and I, in, in fact, I, I think what Anthony Fury is trying to do is, uh, and maybe maybe others as well, is to kind of set the table, set the agenda for, for basically after the election and what the city will focus on and what the opposition will look like. Yeah, well, we'll see, uh, certainly. But there's a lot of big promises made. And, and I do think, you know, when you're going to make your vote, it's not enough to look at the name and say, well, I know that name, so I'll just X there because it is the policy that is going to affect us most. Uh, municipal politics isn't sexy, but it certainly is impactful on our everyday lives. And some of these promises are so enormous. These infrastructure programs and, um, you know, Olivia Chow promising all these things. She hasn't even seen the budget. And yet, you know, she's talked about taxes without saying what she will raise them to uh, or how she'll deliver on these promises. And some of the people we've talked to, Sai, you'd say, look, a lot of these like but, um, transit projects, and that, they just can't be done. You can promise anything at the municipal level, but they are very hard to do, as we've seen. They rely politically on the federal government and the provincial government. And so, again, 
I look at it yeah. and say, any any candidate promising me the earth, moon, and sky is not a candidate I, I will vote for. Well, Olivia hasn't oh. promised anything on the transit. Well, she hasn't file. said anything. We agree on that. Like yeah, she said, she, she's not said. Yeah, and what we need, frankly, is uh, and it's it's common knowledge, and we're all, frankly, all the candidates, uh, all the. At City Hall, it's been the talk for the next, for the last while. Yes, we need the Ontario line. Yes, we need to extend the subway to Steeles and, and Highway 7. Uh, uh, y- yes, we need Eglinton to go out to the airport. The next two projects are Waterfront East and Eglinton East. Everyone knows that. Of course. Uh, Councillor Matlow uh, announced that he would he would find a way to support and fund the $1.5 billion project along the east uh, east waterfront. Those are essential pro- uh, they projects. They might be essential, but I'm saying you can promise it, but it can't be delivered by even the Toronto mayor. It's just very, no, very difficult. No. It I mean, can't be delivered by the premier yeah. alone. It can't what? be delivered by the prime minister alone. They all three need to get together. Yeah, well, that would go ahead, Sai. And that's why I've said, Alex, many times, we need an advocate in chief for this for this next mayor. You need somebody who is able to broker relationships with the provincial government, with the federal government. If you look at a a city like Chicago, for instance, which is often considered a sister city to Toronto, they have a budget surplus and they have a budget surplus because they got federal help, significant federal help. And when you have a $1.5 billion yeah. hole that you have to fill, there's no amount of, there's very little levers that you have as the mayor of Toronto to actually raise that money. Albeit, albeit, look, the federal government owes us hundreds of millions of dollars for all the refugees they let in. That's They did that, and, and it's not even a question. They won't send the money. They owe us that money. And, and so, you know, to your point, go ahead. Yeah, and, and that's the challenge. I think that's one of the biggest challenges here is that you need somebody who's able to advocate. We didn't get the money in the 2023 budgets from either level of government as, as much as we should have as a city. So I think that would be the challenge here is that you have to have a, a, somebody who's going to unite council, who's going to leverage their relationships and be able to be that broker. No, I'm not, then that would exclude Josh Matlow. Having said all that. We agree that there are some big issues, and uh, it will come down yes. uh, to the vote. On, we need on an advocate in chief. We need a negotiator in chief. Yeah. We need uh, someone who uh, understands the dynamics of budgets in the city of Toronto. It's 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 a it's making sausages. Politics at the local level is making sausages, and there's a bit of that, this and a bit of that. That's why I don't I don't think people resent uh, Olivia for not giving a concrete number. It's so I resent her. I but uh, no. But if you're going to run for the mayor, put some numbers. Don't tell me what you're going to do without putting no, numbers on it. Or or what you do is you set a vision. This is the way I want to go. This is the direction yeah, that I want to no. go. And we're going to find the money, or we're going to do the negotiating to, to to get there. I think that's a reasonable position. Yeah, and I just say if you're going to offer me hope. I, how are you going to do it? That's all I want to. How are you going to do it? Because hope is not a campaign. I'm out of time. I mean, I'm out of time, guys. I'm sorry. I would give you half an hour more, but I'm Alex, out of time. we want more. This I is know. so interesting. Joe, this is the Joe you're in my studio, so I'm like, wow. Okay, this is a straw. Um, I'll thank you very much, both of you. We'll probably talk beforehand, but uh, very much appreciate your time, Joe Mahavik, as well as you, Saeed Selman. And uh, Saeed will be part of the global team coverage on election night as a former council member. There, both of you. Thank you very much.